by the Living Light Center at Church of Faith and Healing. For anyone interested, Jim and I do personal readings, and if you'd like to have a personal reading, you can call 304-567-3354 or email sandysangeltalk at aol.com. That's S-A-N-D-Y-S-A-N-G-E-L-T-A-L-K at aol.com. Well, welcome everyone, and our today's program's going to be covering Walking Your Path with the Angels. And Jim, you were going to start us off by Nothing Happens by Chance. Well, that's so true. You know, when I talk to some people, they seem to have that knowledge. They seem to be aware of the fact that, you know, wow, it's it's true. You know, so many things happen to them that that they realize that that there's more than just their own thought processes or, you know, or their planning or whatever it may be that is involved. And, you know, some of the the things that we're going to be going over today, a lot of it are, a lot of it is basics. Um, But we find that sometimes you have to go back to the basics. And when you do, it unlocks within you, you know, the second set and the third set and the fourth set and all the way up to the 12th set, so to speak. And it's all locked away within your cellular structure. It was the only safe place that, you know, that God could really hide the secrets, hide the information. And if you never reached out to find it, then it would stay exactly where it was, buried away. And you'd pass, and it would be of no use to you. But, but if you tried, and that's why the try was so important, because if you tried, figure it out. You know, even the word ponder is used where Mary was concerned when the angel Gabriel came to her and, and instructed that she was the chosen one. Even she pondered what was said by the angel that day. And pondering is something that has great meaning to it. We don't do enough sometimes pondering, you know. Someone tells us something, well, you know, you stick it in the back of your mind. And I'm guilty of that too much sometimes. I'll take a piece and I'll go, I'm not so sure about what you're saying, but I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'll put it in the back of my mind and I'll leave it there. And, and little by little, I'll cross a path here, a path there, and a piece comes to me and another piece and another piece. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. I've got my confirmation. And, you know, it may take a little longer to do it that way, but at least that way I have a confirmation that I have used since I was six years old. And, you know, and it's worked for me. You know, it should work for you too, because God's way is the only way. You know, I hear a lot of people say when, you know, when I may say something or, or they offer something or someone else offers something, well, that's your truth. And, I can't answer it. No, of course it is. It's my truth because I have applied it. And I don't call it truth unless I've applied it because knowledge not applied is not yet knowledge. So I, I apply it. And in the application, it will prove itself. That is the wonder and the beauty of God. So 
the idea here is is that nothing happens by coincidence. And you know, and there's so many things around us, so many things going on, left, right, you know, I mean, coming at us from all directions. And that's the problem. That's not the way God created this world. Believe it or not, we are not most times living in the creation that God had planned for us. You know, we had free will. And so when we took the bite of the apple of, of, of the tree of knowledge, it created almost a hamster wheel. And every possible scenario created with that bite had to be experienced. And trust me, even with one bite of the apple, and the apple, of course, is, you know, an emblem, but with one bite of that apple, there aren't enough worlds, there aren't enough systems, there aren't enough lifetimes that you can possibly experience every one of the scenarios attached with it. And we didn't take just one bite. We kept eating on that tree, you know, until finally we were kicked out of the garden, the place where everything was beautiful, everything was peaceful, everybody got along, everybody helped to work each other, with each other, you know, and till there was that influence in the garden where one brother killed another brother, Cain. Cain killed Abel. And if you look at that name, Cain, and you look at Abel, and God comes in and says, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Well, if you put Cain and Abel together, what do you get? Cannibal. And it was many, many, many years later that as the Israelites went through um, the Exodus, that there came the time that they had to get by a group of beings that, that occupied a fortress. And they were giants, giants in the land. And they were part of the Nephilim, the fallen angels, so to speak, they called them. But they were the Nephilim. And... The problem with the Nephilim is, is that they were as tall as a tree. Well, you can't feed them. I mean, there's not enough production in the land, in nature, to feed somebody who was as tall as the, the Nephilim or the descendants of Cain. And so God didn't, didn't approve of Cain's offering um, because it was grown from the land, and it wasn't understood by him that with Abel, he understood that it was the shedding of the blood. And so he offered up his firstborn lamb. And God approved of his. And in jealousy, Cain killed Abel. Now that may seem very, you know, okay, so what did God do? Come in and just wipe him out? You know, come in and punish him? No, he didn't, actually. He uh, moved him to probably one of the most fertile areas of the planet and told um, or gave the instructions that that, you know, if anybody were to come upon Cain, they would see the mark that God had placed upon him, and they would not kill him. Now, usually, we take killers and we execute them, or we put them in life, prison for life, or whatever the case may be. But we typically don't give them the best piece of land you can find, and, and the things that, you know, God did to mark him so that he would be safe. Why was all that necessary? It was necessary because it served the purpose of, of um, being shown that there is a reason for everything. And that reason was that someday Joshua, who 
who is a forerunner of the Christ, would be faced with having to go up against, in a battle, against the giants. And, you know, their technologies were good. They had actually learned how to manipulate the gas lines, which, you know, we know cause volcanoes and cause, you know, earthquakes. And they had learned how to manipulate those lines. And everything was run in those days by what was called the Great Crystal. And the Great Crystal um, was powerful. And it used the nighttime forces, magnetic forces. And someday we will learn again that if you want free energy, it's going to have to be through the magnetic lines. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, Jim, even in this nothing happens by chance, I can recall, you know, you being connected very much so to God and in feeling and sensing that you needed to call this one particular person this one day. And when you did, you made this call. And they answered the phone, and you started talking to them. And they said, you know, I don't know what made you call me, but I was at my end of my rope, but I was ready to take my life. And, you know, because you called, you've given me hope, and I'm not going to do that. You know, so when we're connected with God and the light, there is everything is possible to help our brothers and sisters, our friends, to, to help people so that they can be lifted back up into a place where they can feel secure again. And, you know, Sandy, that's happened numerous times. I mean, more times than I can even count. I mean, I've done counseling where someone was in my office, and after the counseling was done, the person was uplifted. And it wasn't me. You know, that's where God comes in, and he uses you to ground the spiritual forces because spirit is spirit. Spirit does not, is not the same as matter or anything material on the earth. And so spirit can do many things, but it takes you, it takes us to be able to ground that, that force, that force of spirit, so that it can be applied, whether it be to create something, to overlay something that needs to be repaired or restored, or to lift someone up. And I can remember one lady as she was leaving the office, she was smiling, and she looked at me, and she said, you knew, didn't you? And I said, knew what? She goes, you knew that when I left here, I have a gun in my car in the glove compartment, and I planned on shooting myself before I got home. And I said, no, I didn't know. I said, but I can tell you one thing. God knew. I said, and that's not going to happen, right? And she goes, oh, no, absolutely not. She goes, you've answered all the questions I had. She goes, and you know what? I don't even care. What happens at this point where the issue was concerned? She goes, it doesn't even matter anymore. And I find that what I thought was so devastating wasn't. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't even matter. This is just amazing. Yes, you've been put in the right place at the right time. Well, Jim, we have a lot of topics here. And so let's move on to, to angels. Uh, you know, angels are spiritual beings who intermediate between God and us. And they facilitated the stepping down of vibrations of light and levels of consciousness so that the understanding of the higher realms can be received to guide and direct us on our path and purpose and help our growth back to spirit. You know, angels are like beings that stand before the throne of grace and mercy. And they, they are our own guardian angels. And, and when we're ready, to intercede with them, they will 
and they will bring our attention towards the creative forces of God and our higher self to help guide us where we need to go. Because angels will help, you know, expand our experiences to higher levels of awareness, and they'll help unite us with our higher self. So for every experience we have, there is an angel to help us. You know, angels in the higher level have been described as seraphims, which are, you know, they have six wings, they're 40 foot tall and four heads, you know, and cherubims, which have four wings. But each realm of angel varies in size and looks. And there are three main orders of angels. We have the order of Michael or the Brotherhood of Michael, the Brotherhood or Order of Melchizedek, and the Order of Enoch. Now, the Order of Michael or the Brotherhood of Michael, it represents the guards. They guard the galaxy and planets from any biological and spiritual interferences. So from any lower beings of light, except one case, when a soul lesson needs to happen. Michael ensures that the variation of light are part of the true spectrum that comes from the lords of light. So he ensures the restoration of spiritual and galactic realms. Now, the order of Melchizedek, or the brotherhood of Melchizedek, is in charge of raising consciousness through the physical experiences to help each person realize their divine connection to God and God's connection to all things. So by activating the light within, to experience the many levels of God's many mansions. And then you have the order of Enoch, which is an initiation to enlightened spiritual people to understand the new worlds of consciousness. Doing this through utilizing spiritual and scientific knowledge, the order of Enoch built the pyramidal grids to raise consciousness on the planet because Enoch is responsible for forwarding the scientific keys of the light of God's many mansions. And he brings the knowledge into the people so they can grow and work their way back to God. Now, there are actually nine levels of angels. The lowest levels are your angels or your guardian angels, your archangels, and your principalities. Then the middle is the powers, the virtues, and the dominions. And the highest is the seraphims, the cherubim, and the thrones. So when you look at, you know, the guardian angels, you understand how they help you through your situations. And the archangels, many of you have worked with the different archangels, you know, Gabriel, uh, Michael, Raphael, and Uriel are the four primary ones that are here on this planet. And... You know, and then you have the principalities, and they can carry out the orders given by the dominions, and they grant blessings to material worlds. The powers, you know, they're warrior angels. They're going to defend the people and the cosmos. The virtues, you know, they are the courage. They give divine strength. Dominions, they regulate the duties of the lower angels. And the thrones, God's justice server. Now, we have interacted with one throne angel. And, Jim, you want to tell the story of that one with the golden breastplate? Well, what a beautiful angel. I mean, when she first came to us, it's probably been 20 years or more ago, and she was just a, a beautiful angel. But the strength that emanated from her 
was so unique because it was strong, yet it was compassionate. It, I don't know how to explain the combination of all of the parts of her. Um, we come to later find out that she was a throne angel that the throne angels revert to. And, you know, she was just absolutely incredible. And I remember because she had a message for us, but she was on her way to a planet somewhere far, far away where, you know, the beings of the planet had gotten so far away from God that the chances of them being able to ever get back into that place where they could even comprehend that there was a God that had occurred. And so she had come, and she was on her way to that planet, which, again, was far, far away, and she was going to give them an ultimatum, which was to either bend the knee or leave the planet. And you just knew that you wouldn't want to be on the other side of the sword of that angel. I mean, you know, I mean, she didn't say she was going there with a million angels or a thousand angels or 500 angels. She was going there by herself. And, you know, she had the power, literally, to, you know, clear the planet, clean the planet, because there are planets that in their own, in their own, what, how do I put in their own creative forces, they created from themselves beings that were not, um, were not in the image of God. They had their own image, and it was usually based on, typically on either themselves or on, or on animals or some other form. And the problem is, is that planets that are just that are based on evolution. And so they will literally roll up or you know, or transfigure about every 25,000 years or so. And then they will reform, because matter pulls back together in the gravitational force, and it pulls back together, and it allows for an upgrade of evolution. But it was not meant for, you know, for created spiritual beings to occupy. And so she was clearing house. That's exactly what she was doing. And that's going on right now as we speak. I mean, two years ago, NASA said that there did not exist, as far as they knew, any possible um, black holes. They just couldn't find any anywhere in, in our galaxy. And now they're saying that there are at least six, six now, went from zero to six, and that there's one massive black hole that they will call, you know, our central sun, that all life emanated from that black hole. Yeah. And it's just amazing, isn't it, how, you know, oh, it is. Yeah. when you add consciousness to science, you have metaphysics. It is. And the throne angels, they don't usually interact with people very often. We have not had many interactions, only a few. But when this throne angel with the golden breastplate has appeared before us, it was like you recognized the presence of this angel and the authority of this angel. And by all means, you wanted to follow through with whatever was told to do. Yeah, you didn't, well, you just didn't. Right. <laughs> you didn't even think not to. I mean, yeah. I remember one time that, man, we had, we had really worked hard on some, some things that were out of balance on the planet. And, you know, 
literally when we finished the project, I think it had been almost seven years, and you know the angels came to us and said, "We wish to to congratulate you. You have completed what it was we asked you to do." And honestly, we never thought that in this lifetime it would ever be accomplished, and yet you did. But we wish to tell you that you only had a seven percent chance of completing, you know, or or being successful at doing what you did. And it was like, wait, wait, you didn't tell us that before you gave us the mission. I mean, 7%. Well, let me, let me calculate that out, you know. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty low percentages. Right. Now, one of the other things I want to talk about is the cherubims, you know. Now, that's the next to the highest level of the angels, and they're the keepers of the celestial document. You know, they can actually manifest in front of people. So think about the Ark of the Covenant. You see the cherubims on each side. You know, they guard and they protect the throne of God. And they place their flaming swords at the Garden of Eden. So they help connect our soul with the Christed light. And then you have the seraphim angels of the highest level. They're like consciousness of the highest realm. And they serve the Father and the Son universe to help each individual raise in consciousness and bring the presence of the light and the many opportunities in all the realms into the consciousness of all people. They literally, they literally guard the throne of God. Right. And they're known as the princely guardians of intelligence. So they oversee governments and their actions. They got their hands full here. And they help us to connect to what is the government of light. So this group of angels utilize the wisdom and the structures of many planets to connect levels of light so that we can function under the higher light, and then they step it down so we can understand it. They monitor the levels of consciousness, and if it falls, they set plans into place to increase the level of awareness on the planet. And they can help us understand what our light body is and how to return our consciousness back to our spiritual higher self. They protect the wisdom or seed of knowledge that guides us on our spiritual path. Now, there's a few other levels of angels, one of which I really enjoy, which is the Elim angels. And these angels, they regulate vibrations of sound and light. And so they can merge and pair and synchronize sound chromatically, which brings together sound combinations, which helps elevate us in our meditations. It inspires us like in art and in teaching and any creative areas we apply ourselves to. It helps elevate our emotions, amplify the love vibration, the love for spiritual advancement, for cosmic and universal love, and, you know, our oneness with God. They are spiritual beings of light, and they will allow you to feel that love for the Holy Father and Mother. So they are you know, they're just beautiful angels. Now, one of the other angels that we enjoy working with is the Hashemalines, because these angels are, they represent justice and the rule. And they are actually the angelic council. You know, so there is a court and there is a council in which, you know, they oversee. And anybody that is aware of this can take situations to this court and council First, you ask to connect mentally to this angelic court or council, and you 
and you ask them that you that if you may come to the to the courts because there is a situation that you would like to bring before the courts. And this could be everyday situations that are here on this planet. But I would recommend that if one is going to do this, the better time to do it is just before you go to sleep at night. Yeah. Um, and ask for an angel to take you there. And they will, they will guide you right to there. And then you will be given the opportunity to present your case. Now, in some cases, it's, it can be resolved in one evening. In other cases, it may take days, depending on how big. And you will see that the, the court is sort of like a Supreme Court. It has many rooms, and some of them are very large, and some of them have guards in front of them because there are cases that are brought from ETs. There are cases that are brought from all over the galaxy into this particular court. And there are even times when the Christ himself sets on this this bench, so to speak. It's not just one individual or one being. It is typically almost looks like an appeals court. It has several. But there are times when when the Christ himself oversees whatever is being adjudicated at that that uh, court that that evening. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, when you have situations that you feel merit being taken to a higher court because you just don't think that you're getting the results that you're hoping for, you have this opportunity to ask if you can do this. And in most cases, it is allowed. It is. I would also add this, though. You know, when we first, when I first started out going before this council of, you know, evangelic beings, they were put in place because as it could be seen down the road in the future, that many, many of us would not make it in time because third dimensional planets are limited. They do not or are not, so it's been said, <clears throat> they are not given eternal life. And so they are only made to, to survive a certain amount of years. This one that we are presently on is about 25 to 26,000 years total. And then it, it literally, you know, pulls apart and then turns to pure light and then it reforms together on the other side of the black hole, which is a sunlight or sun hole. And it reforms again and it allows for an upgrade in, again, in evolution. But mankind is not subject to evolution or shouldn't be. And we have to remember that. So this council was allowed to be set up just outside the earth's plane so that they literally can change the past, the present, and the future. And honestly, I have watched them in action in such a way that there was somebody causing so much trouble for us just because, you know, they wanted to. And, and what happened was we took it to the council and literally the person could not remember the things that they had done. And they even began to offer to take us to community, you know, um, you know, gatherings. And I mean, literally became friends. I mean, we go out to eat together and it was like, they had no memory of it. And because it changed the past, it changed the present and it changed the future because they have the ability to see it all 
and who all it's going to affect. You see, when we want to change something, we don't always take into effect that, hmm, I've heard people tell me that I can move that, that storm, you know, just south of us. And so it won't hit us. And, you know, in that way, we're safe. And I say to them, you know, I hear you and I understand that what you're trying to do is, you know, is certainly something that would be helpful to those around you. But what about the ones down south? If you're moving that storm down south, have you ever taken into consideration that it might wipe out somebody's house or wipe out their family? Or it could have all kinds of repercussions that weren't meant for that area to have occurred. And so you literally have become, you know, or caused yourself to play God in a way that you can't see all of the possibilities. And that's something that the council can do. And sometimes we don't get an answer right away. Depends on how many people it involves. Sometimes what we think is a little thing involves many things or many people. And so they will send angels out to oversee what people are doing or what maybe that person that you took before the council was doing. And, you know, and some people don't want to recognize the the jurisdiction of the court, but it doesn't matter to the court. (laughs) The court's jurisdiction is their jurisdiction. We had one mother who brought us a case where her son had done something, you know, and she admitted that, but it was a year and a half ago. And he was playing soccer in high school and he was fairly good. I think, the problem was he thought he was better than he was. And so our advice to the mother was have him really practice. I mean, every day, practice, practice, practice. And, and the problem was is that the coach was not playing him, benched him, and left him there. And no matter what he did, the coach wouldn't give him a chance. And so she wanted to know if the court could help. We took it to the angelic court and asked that, you know, if it could be seen that he was trying and he was literally practicing, that he'd be given the chance to play. Otherwise, to sit on a bench for as long as he did, did more harm to that individual and others maybe than was necessary. And yeah. it was so interesting because it was about a week, wasn't it? It was. Mm-hmm. And the mother came up to us and told us that the coach that week had played her son for the first time in a year and a half. Yeah, it's just amazing when you take things to the angelic courts. I mean, it's just, you get a lot of results. Now, Tim, we should move on. to. I want to say one last thing about the court. Mm -hmm. Remember, if you go before the court, remember to go in honor, you know, in humbleness, and remember that, you know, don't argue, you know, in a way that the case, in a way that, you know, is disrespectful and, and be willing, you know, that if you're wrong to be able to face up to the fact that you were wrong Absolutely. and you will find that many things can happen suddenly and, and to move you forward on your spiritual path in a way like you couldn't even imagine. This is good. Now, the next subject we're going to go into is the Akashic Records. So, in the etheric realm, the actions, thoughts, and emotions of a person are recorded. So, the purpose is, so in the Book of Remembrances, there can be a record that can be accessed. 
And for that person, they may know that their connection is with God. So when someone wants to access this Akashic record, they must first attune their energies to these records so that they can receive the correct information. It's just like going into meditation. You want to clear your mind, relax your body, connect yourself to the higher beings of light, and then take about three deep breaths, releasing all stress on the exhale. Then, through visualization, you can see yourself at the book of remembrances, and you ask to be shown the lifetime in which you are searching for answers from. So you hold this intent, and then just as you would go into like a meditative state, you try not to think, but just listen and observe with an open mind, then your guides will help you move into this lifetime. At first, you need to notice things, like one, notice when you go into this, do you, do you see yourself as a male or a female, okay? And then try to recognize how old are you, you know, then what country or area are you in? And, you know, are there people around you? And try to notice, do you have a family? Are you married? Maybe what is your job? Then observe anything you recognize around you, okay? Then once you see enough of what you're looking for, because you go in there for a situation, say you're wanting to clear something from yourself, like I have this pattern and I don't know where it started from. And so if, I, if it's not, the core is not in this lifetime, then it's probably in a past lifetime, dragging itself into this lifetime, affecting me. So once you go into this past life and you're starting to observe, hmm, this could be part of that pattern, all right, once you're in that lifetime, you know, you can even jump forward in that lifetime many years. So you've gathered information maybe whenever you were a teenager or in your early 20s, you know, and now you want to go more into your 40s, you know, or a little bit later into your life to see what's played out with this situation. And you try to observe as much as you can and, you know, looking at where is this pattern playing itself out and why is it playing itself out. And then if you choose, you can even jump forward again into the latter part of your life to figure out, you know, what was the result of everything that happened in this lifetime before you actually passed, okay? And you try to, while you're doing this, you're observing and not trying to control, but just observe and maybe move forward at certain parts to see more things. Then when you think that you have gotten the information that you need, well, when you finish, you just bring your consciousness back to the present time and you allow yourself to feel grounded and then recall the information that you gathered. You know, then you can analyze it to how this information was affecting you in this lifetime. So once you've found the core or the beginning of the problem, it's easy to change it or release it. Now remember, you can repeat this process for other situations you want to get answers for. And you can go into another lifetime for other answers. So there really is no limit, but what you're doing in going into these Akashic records is that you're looking more for the core of where this situation kind of developed and 
over the lifetimes. It just kind of builds. It's never fully dealt with. And, of course, if it isn't dealt with over certain lifetimes, so, you, know, you may drag it into the present lifetime. And then it's very difficult to rid because you don't know where it started. You know, you can work on it, but typically you have to go back to the core where the root started. And you've done a lot with Akashic Records, Jim, and, you know, and there's just so many situations and scenarios that, that you can involve yourself with. And, you know, you've worked with people, uh, you know, taking them into these different states, into these different lifetimes, and, you know, and most times people, when you guide them through it, will receive a fair amount of information. Now, what has your response been to all this? Well, the one thing I won't do, I've had people before that had wanted information from their Akashic Records, and that's fine. But sometimes people want, well, tell me about this guy that lives down the street from me. I don't like him very well. And can you tell me about his Akashics? I mean, where he's, you know, where he came from, you know, things he's done in the past. And I say, no, I can't. But if he asked me to do that for him, I'd be more than happy to do that because, you know, it shouldn't be a fishing expedition. There has to be a reason. Why do you want to know about that particular time frame of the Akashics, those records? I mean, we form those records for a reason. And, you know, there are some parts of your Akashics that you may not want to know. It was said by Edgar Casey of Hitler that he would probably sleep for a thousand years before he could finally wake up and begin to face what he would have to work out one way or the other. And so, you know, I'm not saying that everybody's done something bad, you know, and I'm not saying that everybody's a saint. I'm saying that the Akashic records were done for a reason, the book of records. And again, if we want to know something, it should be for a particular reason. Why is it that you want to know? I have never gone to a sacred site and walked upon it that the first thing that didn't happen was the wind began to blow and a voice came out of it saying, what is your purpose here? Mm -hmm. That's very true. And the idea is, what is your purpose here? There should be a purpose. You know, you shouldn't veer left to right just for the sake of it. Um, one thing that I have come to understand is that we have the two sides of the brain. We have the left and the right. And the eyes switch over. You know, the left eye goes to the right brain and the right eye goes to the left brain. And that should tell you right there that what you're seeing is not real because it's, you know, they're going to different parts of the brain. And we are being told more and more and more. And I have asked the angelics for interpretations on it just so I know that what I'm applying and what, you know, I have been applying to, to make sure that what I give to you is correct. Um, has been confirmed, and that is that you can't really believe what you see. So, number one, it's not that you should close your eyes and walk blindly, but it's just that don't take at face value what you see, what you can touch even. You know, at least the ears, the left ear goes to the left brain and the right ear goes to the right brain. So you got a better chance of hearing what you're hearing, you know, going to the side of the brain that it's attuned to. But the problem is, if you're walking your path straight and you've got a place that you're going to, you've been led to go there, and all of a sudden some, 
something distracts you to the left and you turn to the left and it will most like excuse me it will most likely take you to the left or take you to the right you know whichever side gains your attention and you may think well it's just a moment you know i just want to see what that is you know but the problem is can you hear yourself i want to see what that is right. so your eyes are trying to deceive you into forgetting what it is that you're supposed to be focused on and the problem there becomes if you go to the left the right will argue with the left if you go to the right the left will argue with it that's the two little angels you know on the shoulder that we see in cartoons it's really it's a polarity and it will automatically distract you and create a polarity of of disagreements it will that is certainly right now jim we're sort of running out of time here so we're going to have to move on uh so let's go into aura so every living being radiates the frequency vibration that emanates specific color or colors okay both physically and mentally a person's aura can be affected by thoughts emotions experiences and memories and through physical emotional and spiritual situations auras can indicate both the physical conditions one's experiencing and the spiritual development but each color represents a step of development rather it be in the physical mental or spiritual we will radiate the color frequencies that we are attracted to for its creative force so whenever you look at the aura you really do have to kind of shut off your thinking so much and just kind of gaze at a person it's best if you have a white background or if you if you're looking up towards a tree or something like that you can see the sky has you can see an aura around the around a tree it should never be used for judgment though right yeah but you know a lot of times when you start to see auras you know it's it's like you really have to work at it at times but you'll start to see certain levels maybe the first level which may be like a bluish gray color you know or a little bit in the yellowish color but each if you go to like our cameras you know and you have pictures taken and they give you these colorful pictures you can kind of interpret it like green has a lot to do with love and your connection with nature now if you see a lot of white particularly around the head these can be angels that are in your energy field but white always is an indication of your connection with god and the oneness with all people you know orange is more intellectual or seeking information sometimes it can be connected a little bit the orange with angels but usually the white is more the angels okay and the blue now different shades of blue like in your lighter blues to your royal blues you know you're looking at the mental strength and your sincerity and your purpose but when you get more into the darker blues it's a, this is a more reserved kind of like pulled within you know a lot of your thinking is inwardly rather than expressing outwardly the reds can be your strength or a person who does a whole lot of physical labor or works out a lot um you know the purple is really more higher mental abilities when you get pink once again it's similar to green but it has its loving soft nurturing type of color and yellow gives you lots of joy and happiness it makes you radiant now when you see like black spots this can begin to be sickness 
And, you know, sometimes they can be serious sicknesses. Turquoise, which could be highly mental with spiritual tendencies to it. So that's always a good one. Uh, people who are doing a lot of healing work and, and psychic work will have a lot of uh, blue-green turquoise colors. Gray, the gray in there is a lot of times it's really hard to trust that person. If you get into a mucky, slimy green, that's a person who lies a lot. And now the magenta, this is really more of a physically and spiritually aware person. The ultimate is the golds or the silver. You know, these are more the elevated masters here to help serve others. You know, there are cards that you can that you can make. Now, basically what they are is that if you get fluorescent cards is the best, but if you can't get fluorescent cards, you can go with the regular cards. And you but just the fluorescent of, makes it so much easier if you've oh, never done sure does. arc work before. Yeah, and if you can take and cut one out, you know, into like more of a, about, you know, two inches by four inches or something like that, and you, and you hold it up against, the best is a shiny white surface. Uh, and you hold it up against it and you stare at it, the light kind of projecting on it, you will see its complement color uh, from it. So if you have a yellow card, you know, it's going to give the complement color of a blue-violet. If you have a green card, you should see magenta. If you have an orange card, its aura color is going to be more blue-green. If you have a blue-green card, then it's going to be more of an orangish-yellow. If it's a violet card, then the aura color is going to be a yellow-green. And if you have a red card, the aura color is going to be a green-blue. So the, the idea is to train your eyes to begin to see auras around people. And this is a wonderful technique to, to work with because you, most people are able to see that complement color of the cards whenever they look at it. But again, what is your purpose for doing so? We have to express, you know, this ideal upon anyone listening to the show, or who do artwork themselves, that everything depends upon your reason for doing it. Um, you know, no healing work should ever be done unless there is a reason for it and the purpose, and the person, I'm sorry, has given you permission to do so. Now, you can ask that the Christ place around the person, the individual, healing light, and if they should choose their soul to take that light in, then please allow them to do so. But you can't enforce it or force it upon someone, even through prayer, because God doesn't force anything upon anyone. There, you know, there is no such thing in spirituality. So I've heard people say, well, I go to their higher self, you know, or, you know, I ask them on a soul level. Well, if the person is in a coma, well, I'll give you that. But if not, then even looking at auras, you know, it's so funny because we've done this for so long, and people assume when we walk into a room that we're scoping everybody out and looking to see, you know, what's around them, what they've been into, what they've been doing, who they are. We do none of that. Unless we have the permission of an individual to look, we will never look. We don't, it's not our place to do so. It's between them and God. But if they wish us to do so, then it comes through the angelic level, through the Christed light or the Holy Trinity. Um, you know, and only that way. 
but we have the permission, and we don't do it otherwise. It's just, it, it really is an invasion of privacy, and too many psychics, you know, that I know, <clears throat> I mean, you know, they'll say, oh, I looked at that person, and they're this, they're that, and come on, it's just too easy to be fooled. Did you ask, you know, did you ask permission first? Did you go through the Christed light? Did you go through the Holy Trinity light? Or did you ask, you know, of the angelic realm, which, you know, speaks as one spirit, you know, to before you did what you did? And it becomes very important. I had one girl tell me that she had gone to a girl to get healing work done that morning. And uh, being of higher of of a higher level had you know, had come through and did the work. And I said, oh, I said, what was the being's name? She said, well, it's just a higher being. I said, well, what was its name? She goes, well, I don't know its name. She goes, it, what, what does it matter? I said, oh, it matters. Because how do you know it's a being of a higher spiritual, you know, nature? I mean, we just assume that, you know, I mean, literally, if an ET were to, to materialize in front of you, would you consider it a god? And that's the problem is that you leave it open like that, I guarantee you, you know, every being under the sun will try to get in there and, and do some work on you. And one little spot of darkness within you can grow quickly. So it's important to know why you do what you do, to keep focused on the path that you're heading towards and understanding that you are building a sacred temple. And so... Each piece of that temple will be given to you at time and the place, so long as you're there. If you let yourself get distracted to the left or to the right, you will find that you will miss the opportunity for that piece. And it takes 13 pieces to rebuild that temple, because that's how many was supposed to be during the lifetime of Jesus. And one failed in its commitment to live up the promise and we ended up with 11 disciples and and one fell to the wayside it's no coincidence that the name judas and the name judah that sold joseph into slavery are the same so ours are important but they can change you know as a person becomes more lighthearted, worries less you know if you can uplift their spirits and sometimes your own rf you see somebody down you can raise your own vibrations and increase your own auric field in a way that you bow your head and just ask that your vibrations be lifted and your arc field be broader if it needs to be, but it be one, be one that includes the Christ of light and lifts the person that you see, Absolutely. if they should choose to. Absolutely, Jim. That's good. Well... Let's do a few predictions here before we're finished with our show, okay? Some of the things that what I have been seeing, what Jim and I have both been seeing, is that the sun's activity is getting much stronger. And because of these bursts of solar winds and flares, it's causing an overheating in the middle layers of, our, of the upper atmosphere, which in return is going to cause more lightning. And what I see is that there's going to be certain regions of the planet where the lightning is going to be extremely intense. You know, 
Now, there's been certain areas already down in Australia and, and different other regions where there has been lots of lightning, but I'm seeing this in a lot more areas than just that. And we have a lot of movement with the pressures on the planet from the solar activities and planetary issues and things like that, and it's going to cause a great deal of earthquakes, but where it's going to hit most is going to be South America. The area down there is going to just absolutely be moved around enormously, and and the problem of it is, is some of these earthquakes, regardless if they're in the northern parts of the world or in the southern parts of the world, is that if they're opening deep enough, is that there's leaking of methane gas. And you're going to have to be careful that this methane gas is going to inundate certain areas. And we've got so much pollution in the oceans, and the whales and the dolphins are, are struggling at this point in time to be able to survive. If they can't communicate their sounds, it has a very detrimental effect on the planet. And that is a great concern. You know, but, you know, what I can see in the positive is that we are developing spiritually. We are growing. Our bodies are a temple. And this temple is meant to bring in enlightenment. It's a pyramid. It's like the capstone is ready to be placed on your pyramid to give you total enlightenment. But you must be willing to release whatever emotional or mental things that are holding you back. And if there is any time to do it, it's in the present time because the energies are allowing this upliftment. So ask and pray, God, to help you in lifting out those energies that no longer serve you. And you will feel a lifting up in awareness. And when you're in this level of awareness, you'll feel the oneness with all of the angelic beings, with all the higher beings of light. And you won't ever want to go back into any kind of negative thought forms at all. This is a time of joy, of blessings. But first, we must work on ourselves and raise these vibrations enough so that we can reach enlightenment as fast as possible. Sandy, that's so true. Sometimes it's hard to get the thought forms out of our head. If you could only know that you are being bombarded on a constant basis, especially if you're spiritual, with negative thought forms that you sometimes you, you can see them in your head, but you go, that's not the way I think. You know, why do I have that thought in my head? You and everyone else on this planet, because there are beings with technologies that literally can bombard you without you even knowing it. So the idea here is, you know, is sing. Try to sing and have a, and, and see if you have a negative thought form in your brain. You don't. To learn to sing songs that give praise to spirit. Or play music that's uplifting. You know, we love the sacred names of God, playing it. Oh, it's so peaceful. It's so relaxing. The solfeggio sounds, they are so peaceful and relaxing. And there's just lots of other music that's very uplifting. And you can feel it. Your soul feels like it's being touched in a positive way by this music. And I highly recommend that. Try playing the music when you go to sleep. You'll sleep better. Your dreams will be better. You know, a lot of times people have problems sleeping. And, Jim, you have introduced this to me with playing the sacred names of God as we go to sleep. And, wow, just that light music in the background. Seconds. Yeah, seconds on the sleep. It's just relaxing. You're just 
asleep in you, and you sleep soundly, right. unlike you would if you're just trying to just fall asleep. You, know, you have the weird dreams and all that at times, but but when you have the protection and the love of God's light around you, you feel you know so much lighter and so much happier. Absolutely. We we are so grateful to be able to to do these these radio shows here. And we want everyone to know that we do readings. And if anybody wants a reading, you can call 304-567-3354. And we do half hour or hour readings, and we cover all the areas, you know, health, relationship, jobs, soul purpose, past lives, future things, past over loved ones, earth changes, you name it. We can, You can choose your topics, and, you know, and we can work with you. And one of the differences we do, I'm not saying that others don't, but few that I have found do, and that's that we identify the crossroads. Life is not is not a literal, literally, you know, a linear walk, you know, from point A to point B to point C. Literally, there are crossroads that you come to, and you can make choices that change the course or the flow of the future. And if you're not given those choices, then you'll just keep following the same path you're on. And the, being able to know what those choices may be is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. And I can see the auras around people. So people will often ask about what colors are around me. I can I can communicate with the guides with, that work with them. And so and you can read the Akashics. Mm-hmm. We can read the Akashics. And, and we can work with you even if you need assistance. So we want to thank everyone for listening. And, and God bless. And again, 304. 304- Five six seven three three five four, and we'll call you right back. So it won't cost you anything if it's long distance. God bless.